Today we continue the series in wisdom. And more specifically this morning, we're going to be talking about work. And there are a couple elements of work, as in how we work or why we work. And this morning, I really want us to focus in on how. I'll leave why we work up to Landon at a later date. But as we begin this this lesson in wisdom, as it relates to work, let's remind ourselves of our working definition of wisdom as it pertains to the Bible and to the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is fearing God, knowing God's will, and living in light of God's will. So as we seek biblical wisdom from the book of Proverbs, work, and more specifically how we work, is a common theme that occurs pretty frequently in the Proverbs, which tells us that work and our relationship to it is something that deserves our focused attention and our sincere introspection. However, if we look at the cultural perspective of work, we see a very avoidant, dismissive, and begrudging attitude towards work. How many of us have seen posts on Facebook like these? On any given Monday, you can peruse your social media platform of choice, and you can find any number of posts that pertain to the drudgery of a new week. Don't get me wrong. I love The Office. It's one of my favorite shows. But it's a show that's developed around and centers around making fun of the workplace and belittling the workplace. Or you can turn on your radio, and you can hear song after song that talks about hating your job or living for the weekend, where we can escape this day-to-day grind and just enjoy our lives. In our culture, we are inundated with this negative view of work. And by default, a lot of us accept it and promote it. Even for those of us that are Christians, that are at least aware of the Edemic curse. We often fall into this negative cultural view of work because we have a misunderstanding of the Edemic curse. And just for clarity's sake, I'm going to put it up on the screen. The Edemic curse is in Genesis 3. It's after the fall when God curses the ground, telling Adam that he will now toil in his work by the sweat of his brow. But what we need to see and what we need to understand is that work itself is not the curse. The labor of the work is the curse. And as we'll see here in a minute, Adam very clearly was given work before the fall. Which tells us a few things about work. But before we dive too far into that, I want us to stop and and pray together this morning. So would you pray with me? God, we love you, and we praise your name this morning. God, thank you for Sunday mornings when we can come together as your people and we can spend dedicated time to worshiping your name, to praising and honoring you, to digging into your word, 
God, I pray that this time is beneficial. I pray that it's honoring to you. God, I pray that you teach us this morning. I pray that you reveal your truth to us this morning. Thank you for the gift of work. I pray that you use this time to to convict us to bear your image well in our work. I pray that we leave here looking more like you than when we got here. In your name we pray, amen. First thing I want to do is I want us to look together in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. For me, it's the first page of my Bible. It says this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. First thing is that we are made in the image of God. And that doesn't necessarily mean a physical manner because God is a spirit. But that there are inherent characteristics of humanity that were built into us by God that are designed to be a reflection of him. And one of those things is work. Work is something that's innate to the character of God. In fact, it's the first thing that we see when we open up our Bibles. When we open up to Genesis 1, the very first thing that we read in Scripture is God working. He's creating everything in existence. Our first introduction to God is him working. So it makes sense then that if our first introduction to him is him working and we are made in his image, that we would be designed to work. We are designed to work. And he gave us work as a gift. A gift that on some level points to general revelation as opposed to special revelation of scripture. It's a way of pointing to him. And after God created Adam, the first thing he did is give him work. He gave him the task of naming all the animals. Which is more of a mental work. But if the Edemic curse was God cursing the ground that Adam worked, then obviously physical work existed as well. So we see not only mental work before the fall, but we also see physical work before the fall. Both are legitimate forms of work, even today. And the truth is that no matter what kind of work you do, whether it's more mental-focused or if it's more labor-intensive, either way, we are made to work. And I want to take a second here and speak directly to the graduates. For those of you that are continuing your education and going to college, this pertains to all students for that matter, your work right now is more mental. School is your work. 
studying and educating yourself is your work. And that work is a gift. It's a gift from God. Don't forget that. Students, don't fall into this trap that society paints this picture of school being pointless and worthless and boring. It's a gift. And it's your work. Now, as we talk about being made to work, it's not lost on me that there are different stages of work. Some of us are are not physically able to work. My dad suffers from back pain so bad that he can hardly stand up for more than five minutes at a time. Some of us just cannot physically work. And then there are those who are retired. But the point I want to make here is that the work that we do as image bearers of God is not restricted to the work that we do for a paycheck. Some of us may have stopped working for a paycheck, but that doesn't mean that we've stopped bearing the image of God. And even with these exceptions, which are legitimate exceptions, the vast majority of us can do something. We can do something, some kind of work. But as we talk about the fact that we were all made to work, we're designed that way, and as we look at how we should work, we need to see what Proverbs says about how we should work. And as we look at what Proverbs says about how we should work, I want to compare that at the same time with what it says about laziness. So the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that wisdom is revealed in work. Certainly, there are several verses that we could look at in the Proverbs to support this idea or this theme. But there's a couple that I want to put on the screen for us to consider together. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. The point is that if we choose to be diligent in our work, And not only to be diligent, but to have a good plan in front of us for our work. Then the result is not only going to be ample reward. But it's going to be clear-cut wisdom. The kind of biblical wisdom that we're searching for in this series. Now the alternative point to this idea is that laziness reveals foolishness. And again, I want to put some... Verses on the screen for us to consider together. Proverbs 12:11 says, "Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense." And Proverbs 24 says, "The sluggard does not plow in the autumn; he will seek at harvest and have nothing." And Proverbs 21:25 says, "The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor." So, just as wisdom is very clearly a result of diligent work. 
the only seeable conclusion for laziness is that foolishness is not far behind. There's simply no, no way around that. And if our goal is to pursue biblical wisdom, we have to see how wisdom is directly impacted by the diligence of our work. Now this point really focuses on work as it relates to our physical life and, and providing the necessities of life like food and shelter and clothing. And so now I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and look at the diligence of spiritual work. Second thing I want you to see this morning is that diligent work grows the kingdom. Proverbs 11.30 tells us that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. I don't think it gets more clear than that. If our goal is to seek biblical wisdom in the way we work, absolutely that has to include the faithful work of sharing the gospel. As I prepared for this sermon, I I watched a video of Tim Keller, and I'm paraphrasing here. But in that video, he said along the lines that God uses the work of his people to distribute his blessings to others. And what greater blessing do we have from God than the truth of Christ? Now, the flip side to this point is that laziness destroys. Proverbs 18.9 tells us that whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. In other words, if we're not part of the solution, then we are part of the problem. As God's people, there's no middle ground for working unto the kingdom. Either either we are diligently working to share the gospel or we are defacing the name of God by claiming faith in him and remaining idle in the work that he's put in front of us. Which leads to my third point. Which is that our work is a visible witness. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine tells us that do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. If we are diligent enough in our work that we become skillful in it, it doesn't go unnoticed by the people around us. And if that skill is recognized, it will be sought out. But at the same time, Proverbs also warns us that our laziness does not go unnoticed either. Look with me at Proverbs 24. Starting in verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard 
by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Just as diligent and skillful work is admired and sought after, laziness is noticed and avoided. We've talked about this quote before in here that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and we don't think that he actually said that, but it's attributed to him. And it says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use the words. Use words. And when we've talked about that, we've said, no, <laughs> no, always use words. You, you can't preach the gospel without using words. And that's, that's 100% true. I agree with that. We cannot, we cannot rely on our actions to lead anyone to Christ. We have to speak truth. We have to speak words. However, how we live, how we act, how we work are indicators of our character. And it's our character that will allow us opportunity to effectively share the gospel using words. So while this quote isn't 100% true, there is a, a nugget of wisdom in there. Our work should be a reflection of our creator. And it's his reflection that makes our character stand out. It's his reflection that affords us the opportunity to be able to speak truth to those around us. As we wrap up this morning, I want, I want you to see that in order for us to come to a place where we choose, where we choose to work diligently as unto God in our everyday lives, both in our physical and mental work and in our spiritual work, the key to success is not just saying, okay, let's pull up our bootstraps and let's go to work. But the key to success is understanding the root of work and truly believing that it is sacred, believing in the sanctity of work. We work with diligence and with purpose because we were created to do so. We were created to bear the image of God through our work. And this is such a worthy reason to completely and fully devote ourselves to diligence in our work. But more than the fact that we were created to work, our work is a form of worship. I said at the beginning that work is a gift to us from God. What better way to worship God than to fully embrace the gifts that he has given us, like the gift of work? 
If you've ever been through the Westminster Catechism, you know that the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the response to which is, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There is no better way for us as God's people to glorify him than by bearing his image well. And there's no better way for us to enjoy him than by embracing the gifts that he has already given us so freely. Because at the end of the day, one thing is evidently clear about each of our lives. We will always live our lives according to what we truly believe. I once had a mentor that would tell me there's no such thing as hypocrisy. And I don't know if if I completely agree, but he made a very compelling argument. He would say, people never act in opposition to their belief system. People will always act according to the way that they believe. So, when someone does something that doesn't line up with what they say they believe, they're not a hypocrite, they're a liar. If we truly, if we truly believe at our core and have genuine faith in the gospel, that Jesus is our only hope at salvation, that the only way we are saved is by grace through faith in Christ. Then the only plausible result is that that faith will be reflected in the diligence of our physical and mental work as well as in the diligence of our spiritual work. I'm not telling you guys to go to work tomorrow with some goofy, weird grin on your face and creep out your coworkers. (laughs) I love you, don't do that. But what I am saying is that we as a culture, and particularly as Christians, we need to be able to take a step back and honestly evaluate how we perceive and how we interact with our work. And we need to be able to ask ourselves some questions. We need to ask ourselves if our work bears the image of God. And if our work is worshipful to God. Graduates, whether you continue in school or whether you go straight to the workforce, work as unto God. Work in a way that worships him. Find joy in him by finding joy in the gifts that he has given you, like work. But most of all, let your work bear his image well. Let your work bear his image well. I'm going to pray, and then the band is going to come up, and we're going to have a time of response. And I encourage us all to ask ourselves these questions. Does my work bear the image of God? Is it worshipful to God? Am I finding joy in him by finding joy in his gifts? 
you can come up front and talk to one of our pastors. We'll be up here. Or you can just reflect in your seat. Or you can come up and pray at the front. Whatever you feel like you need to do. Let's, let's pray together. God, we love you. God, I thank you for the gift of work. I thank you for your example of work. I pray that as we consider these questions, that you would reveal truth to us, that you would use the Holy Spirit to convict us and to lead us to pursuing you with our whole hearts and our whole minds and our whole strength, that we would look more like you in our work, that we would bear your image well. God, I thank you for this time. I pray that it's honoring to you. It's your name we pray.